Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. My name is Pastor Chad Shapiro from Ignite Community Church. I want to welcome you to Saba Talks. This is podcast number five. If you have missed the last four podcasts, make sure you go back and get a chance to listen to those powerful, powerful stuff leading up to this point. Incredible panel gathered around the table. We're going to go through a quick introduction on my right. I'm Daryl Horn, director of Saba. We're glad you're listening. I'm Elizabeth Coffey with the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Omar Martinez, pastor at Mighty Fortress Christian Fellowship, San Antonio. I'm uh, Pastor Dante Banks from the God Chasers Community Church here in San Antonio. Gary Patterson, Berean Bible Fellowship, San Antonio, Texas. Today we're going to be talking about cultivating disruption, and I'm going to pass it over to uh, Pastor Omar. All right, thank you, Chad and team. You know, I'm looking forward to this conversation particularly uh, because... I feel like when you want to cultivate a disruption, it's almost, uh, I'm doing air quotes here, permission, you know, to, to uh, give people around you who have a heart to uh, introduce uh, something that can be transformational in your church or in your organization, um, that, uh, that platform to do so and to bring those, those ideas forward. And uh, I feel like I'm probably one of those disruptors. So if I'm in certain organizations, and I and I'm kind of have this um, itch to disrupt or itch to introduce or, or, or do something like that. Um, I I feel like I need that permission. I, I I work much better in an environment where that's cultivated, uh, so I can relate to um, this theme and what we want to talk about. And you know, first I'll start off with the scripture, which uh, <clears throat> reminds me of how Jesus cultivated a little bit of disruption. Um, and I say a little bit lightly, it's, it wasn't just a little bit, <laughs> um, but Mark uh, sixteen fifteen, and he says to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, uh, to the whole creation. Mm-hmm. And that's permission to go disrupt. That's permission mm-hmm. to go transform the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was saying that and, and we think about it as uh, a lot of us in this room, as a matter of fact, all of us are church leaders. You know, we, we do things in our church that uh, um, guide the direction of church or multiple churches, like in your instance, uh, Daryl. And we have to think, you know, we, we can't necessarily pass down that same word because it was Jesus saying those words to our uh, people who want to serve our members or serving members or deacon body or just the, or the people who are, are, you know, and I'm leaning towards church terminology versus organizational terminology, but you can even translate it to employees or team members or volunteers. Um, that same permission or that same uh, cultivating that ability for them to have that same freedom. Because usually we act on our um, guide, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So if we're already called and we know our calling, we know where we're headed, we can, we can respond to the calling of the Holy Spirit. So a lot of the decisions that we make as church leaders, it's because we think like, well, this is what God is calling me to do. And even if it's disruptive, I feel like it's for the most part. I'm okay to go down this direction. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make this change. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this differently. And so, how do how do we consider influencing the rest who may not have adopted a disruptive mindset uh, to embrace it and then also cascade it down so that way they can foster and draw out of their people um, that same uh, mindset. 
So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Where where would we start? Would we start with the leader, because or do we start with the body in terms of um, cultivating disruption? Well, I think you have to start with the leader. I think um, it is the responsibility of leaders to start to figure out how um, they can find and cultivate. Um, disruptors in their church. I think it's very important. This is, goes back to First Kings um, chapter 19, verse 19, where the Bible says that Elijah found Elijah. Elijah found, in, you know, a, a couple of scriptures before, God says, here, go find this person. He's going to take your place. Um, and that's the fear. I think, imagine being Elijah and hearing that, okay, go find these people, they're going to take these other people's place. But now go find Elisha, and he's going to take your place. And uh, the truth is, we shouldn't be afraid of... We shouldn't be afraid of finding our successors. We shouldn't be afraid of finding people who will be disruptors in our church because uh, it's all for the kingdom. It's not about us personally, but that that's a difficult thing to do. But the Bible says in, in 1 Kings 19, 19, that he found Elisha. And I think it's significant that we, that we as leaders need to be finding our Elishas. We need to be looking for our Elishas. Well, how would you counsel somebody who's under a leader but the leader doesn't want to listen to disruptive innovations, but someone under a leader like that feels like God is leading them in, in creative ways. Right. What, what counsel would you all give someone under a leader like that? First of all, make sure that you connect and show love to that leader, build a relationship with that leader. A long time ago, I learned about not necessarily coming in and rearranging all the furniture right away. You know, like Make sure you're part of that the fabric of that community, that you're connecting with that leader, that there's some uh, trust that's built there so that there's a, there's some more uh, open communication about being able to move in a certain direction that you might feel. Um, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Same idea, you know, to make sure that it's rooted out of that relationship of love between you and them. Yeah, but there has to be a, um, my issue with this question is it depends on the leader because uh, if you're having a javelin thrown at you, it's very difficult to say. But teach me how to <laughs> how to be a part of the fabric of this community. Uh, community. Mm -hmm. At some point, you just need to learn how to duck. You know, <laughs> like at some point, if you're if you're being, um, you know, if you're being attacked on a daily basis. So that's a whole different thing. It depends on if you have an Elijah or you have a Saul. If you have a Saul, you got to handle the Saul a little differently than you handle an, an Elijah. And I'll say this too, because the next podcast, podcast six, we're really going to be talking about disruptor protocols and yeah. life cycle of disruption. And so we'll go into a lot of this deeper. Um, but the thing that, Omar, when when you pose the question and with some of your comments at the beginning, where I go immediately is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. The, one of the, the first things he does is, is he gathers the people who will be coming after him and he does it strategically and he, uh, he does it strategically and in a puzzling way, right? He goes looking in places. No one else was looking. Fishermen. Like, uh, of course, educated people, of course, those individuals as well, but fishermen, um, challenging them to do something, come well, be fishers and men. Our, and it's not a but. I'm actually I'm piggybacking on that. What, what you triggered was that. However, we learned that Jesus was already a disruptor, yeah. and so who he was gathering, he had he was already that leader. So you make a great point. 
how do we get maybe a leader who's who's is uh, molded in um, just not ready for change as much or just not ready to receive like Daryl's question that input coming from that direction is there a way that we could do things to plant and water seeds within a leader to it's true discipleship understand Jesus better you understand how to allow your people to <clears throat> work better. What do you think about some of that? Well, I'll still go back to Jesus. I don't always go back to Jesus because I think that while he was the perfect disruptor, um, he he understood the context in which he was in too. And I think there are two things that we can learn, whether you're a disruptor or you um, – and, and many organizations would say this, that CEOs, there's only so, – that it's only – they can only be so close to the disruption that's going on inside of their organizations. And, um, but I still think there are lessons we can learn from how Jesus led the disciples to apply no matter what type of leader you are. And one is that he saw people. He was looking um, earlier in earlier podcast, Gary talked about asking new types of questions. Who do we not see? I think he saw those people and he had, he created margin f- to walk alongside them to help give uh, guidance and mentorship to them to be leaders going forward. Um, I mean, throughout Matthew, the book of Matthew, we see him, the f- the focus of so many of his miracles and various things was teaching the disciples. Right. Yeah, I'm, we're going to feed 5,000 people here, but you're going to do it, right? right? You're, he challenged, he challenged them to do them it. To do it. Right. Yeah, you're going right. to do it. He said... That's cultivating um, disruption. Cultivating the That's disruption. Right. You see him face something difficult that where the crowds or Pharisees were pushing back against what he was doing. And what did he do? He withdrew with his disciples and he said, let me teach you this. Let me teach you this. I'm going to instill this in you because you're going to have to carry this forward. I think all of those, and in addition, and we've already said this in earlier podcasts too, this radical discernment of the spirit. Jesus was very attuned to the movement of the spirit. And if we're going to be leaders that make space for disruption, I think it requires both radical discernment of the spirit and intentional creation of margin in our lives to make space for that, whether that's relationally, spiritually, emotionally, um, or even with our resources. Yeah, that's I think great. when you said um, you said he saw them, and I thought about <clears throat> Nathaniel, you know, mm-hmm. the, the disciple. He said, I, "I saw you." He literally told him, like, "I saw you under a fig tree yesterday," mm-hmm. and this is who, this is how you cultivate disruption. Yep. You know what's interesting about that fig tree? Yes. That fig tree's like a big willow tree that, yes, that's got these branches that that come up and then go all the way to the ground. And you could get up under there and really hide. Yeah. And he good. was up under there. That's good. Uh, I believe he was reading the scriptures, but Jesus saw him mm. when when nobody else could see that's him. So yeah. Jesus saw him when he was in that quiet place. Right. And so from, you know, as we talk about permission given and as we talk about cultivating disruption, it really, it starts with sort of knowing that audience, knowing the the person. And I I know I've had people in my church that, yes, they were a little zealous, a little ambitious, but you you have to figure out how God wants to use that person because God still wants to use that person. They could be being ambitious for the enemy. 
They're in your church being ambitious for the Lord. And so you have to figure out how to guide that. I, I was thinking again about uh, Elisha. And um, as as he was anointed by Elijah, uh, he had to anoint some people. So he anointed Jehu. And the Bible says that when Elisha went to anoint Jehu, God told uh, Elisha, leave the door open. Mm. <laughs> don't don't close the door. And and as we start thinking about permission giving and cultivating disruption, we, we, we're going to have some Jehus. Mm -hmm. And I, I could go into a whole series about Jehu because I love him, but he's crazy and he's radical and he doesn't comb his hair and he rides his horse so crazy. And, and, and the people know him and they look and they actually say, how do you know it's Jehu? Because of how he's riding his horse. Like mm -hmm. he's he's radical with it. And so when God says anoint Jehu, he says, uh, leave the door open. And sometimes as a permission giver, you got to start finding your Jehus and then leaving the door open for them to do something radical because <laughs> they're going to kill your Jezebels. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're going to kill your Jezebels. And the thing that's haunting you, they will kill the thing that's haunting you if you leave the door open. But if, 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 you, if you don't, if you, if you hide them under a bushel, you know, if you yeah. try to hide their light, then you might miss the opportunity to, to, for them to kill your Goliath or to kill your Jezebel. Well, let me ask the panel this question, uh, and thank you for that comment to everybody. This is this fantastic conversation. Well, um, let me ask you, what are some of the attributes or characteristics you think some of these disruptors in our church bodies or, or upcoming leaders or just might be sprouting up. How can you identify that? And, and I'm, I'm going to say that with these words as adjectives. Um, mm. Opinionated, uh, a very observant, you know, on how things are going, idea-driven, just always coming with things. Like, how would you, you know, some, some people might take those words almost as negative words, but if somebody's bringing me something and always has commentary or opinions or something, mm -hmm. I'm thinking to myself, this person might have something that I could use as fuel to, to help drive okay. some, something, innovation at this church that will start this thing. Um, I think that there are definite trends in, inside of the, the type of disruptor uh, that you want to begin drawing near to the leadership of your church. Um, and not in, what I'm going to say isn't new. I mean, so many of them are just fruits of the spirit, right? They're just this this overwhelming portrayal that while what they're saying and what they want to do does not make sense to you, or maybe it feels a little bit threatening, or maybe it seems crazy and off the wall, um, they demonstrate radical generosity. They are humble. They're patient. They love the people. They love the community. They love your congregation, even. They love your congregation so much. They want to figure out a way to how do we take this carefully into what it is that you're doing and um, and do something big with it, you know? Right. I think that, but all those things are just fruits of the Spirit. Right. I really believe that what is it evidence that the Spirit is, and again, this radical discernment of the Spirit, how do we discern the movement of the spirit inside of somebody, even when what they're saying doesn't quite make sense, even when what they're saying uh, feels a little bit um, make uh, stirs up fear in us? Um, and how do I address that and say, no, what I'm coming into contact with here is not craziness. That's right. It's a spirit. That's right. And I need to be able to name that, identify that. And it's passion, and passion has to be pointed. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Passion, passion is powerful, and mm-hmm. all power needs to be pointed. It's mm-hmm. not a, it's, it's not useful to you unless it's pointed yeah. in a certain direction. And so Jesus said it like this: Take my yoke upon you, and learn, mm-hmm. uh, and learn of me, for mm-hmm. my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to put the young ox with the old ox, so mm-hmm. that the young ox can can get slowed down and learn cadence and pace and tempo mm-hmm. instead of just getting, you know, just saying, okay, how can I break the ox? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how mm-hmm. can I break him? No, mm-hmm. you just put him with somebody who can, and, and this is the idea of discipleship, right? Mm-hmm. You put him with somebody who can, who can give him pace and who can help him understand, okay, this is how you, pay, how you pace this thing out. A lot of the times you won't see those, um, all you'll see is the passion, and, uh, you know, the zealousness and, and uh, unless you put them with somebody where he can learn um, pace and cadence. So, sometimes passion comes across as unbridled. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. Being able to, um, to put somebody with the passion with somebody with the discipline. Right. The, the, being able to focus. Um, you know, it, light... It might be bright, but if it's not in, if it's not focused, it doesn't have the intense energy. <coughs> I, I think sometimes people with uh, great ideas get frustrated because not everybody else sees what they see, and so they get frustrated with leadership, and that frustration comes off as they're being disrespectful mm-hmm. to the yeah. leader, mm-hmm. and so then the leader might take an oppositional position because he feels like the person's being um, disrespectful. Or he may feel, this is a great idea, but the person that brought the idea to me is not disciplined enough for me to to execute it. Um, So it is a balance of, of being able to approach with the right attitude, but do it in a way... Um, like you said, Dante, uh, depends on the leader. Yeah, but I, I just think it's so important that the leader understands his or her responsibility to cultivate these people. It, it is your yeah. responsibility mm-hmm. to to find your Peters mm-hmm. and to say, hey, put your knife away. <laughs> you know, it is your responsibility to, to find your Tituses or your Timothys and to, and to teach them and show them because if not... The, the, the dangerous part about not cultivating innovation or about not cultivating disruption is that it ends with you. Is that your hopes, your dreams, your passion, your vision that God gave you, if you don't cultivate that in somebody else, it dies with you. Uh, Maya Angelou mm-hmm. said, you, you, you die twice. Mm-hmm. She said, you die once when your heart stops beating. I think that's so beautiful. That yeah. She said, when your heart stops beating. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure your heart's still beating for whatever it is that God told you uh, or promised you. I think that's so important. But the second thing she said is, you die the second time when the last person on earth says your name. And I want to live a life with such a legacy that uh, that my name will live on after me. And if I can't cultivate disruption or can't cultivate innovation in someone that's coming after me that'll outlive me, then I miss the opportunity for my name to live on. That's good. 
with good. y'all permission, I'd like to extend this a few more minutes, and, and if we have to cut a few minutes out of the post-production, let's do it, but this conversation is going great, and I just wanted yeah. to give Gary a chance to talk. Okay. My thought has the idea to capture everything we've said and, and, and then ask the question, how can we import it? And here's my thought around that. I do strategy planning quite frequently, and, and when I get finished with a plan at a church, then I, I always wonder, what is the leadership apparatus to carry out the plan. Mm-hmm. And what I recognize is rarely is there a leadership training apparatus to implement the plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the key, where these leaders are taking other leaders and grooming them in exactly what you just said, Dante, right. in an organized way to say, me and my leadership are pulling away and we're studying leadership along with our strategy, and so that people are aligned in the effort. Uh, And that takes awareness, Dr. Horn, of the leader, first of all, being willing to learn and grow first. If he's unwilling to learn and grow, you've got problems. But if the leader could, could just take the time and be willing to come together in community to learn and grow, I think that's the beginning of imparting all of what we're saying to that group of people, I, you know, I pulled up and I won't, I won't, I just mentioned this talking about the early adopters, you know, they're innovators, early adopters. And yeah. then the process of change, if a group just understands the process of change, then you can normalize opposition right. and build in patience because you understand the process instead of just running in there like the young ox Mm -hmm. and tearing at something and getting the opposition and not understanding it. The old ox may say, let's take our time. Yeah. Let's watch this. We're going to have resistance (laughs) at first. Yeah. And let's pace ourselves through the process. So I think the wisdom is, is to have a leadership that you're training Mm -hmm. so that there's alignment among leaders to attack anything you're doing as a group. That's my thought. Mm. Good stuff. Great stuff. You'd like to add? Uh, in, oh no, nothing. No, no, sir. Okay. Please. Yeah. So, just in recap, terrific session here. Takeaways. I I think a takeaway is something Dr. Patterson just said. Uh, one of my frustrations in dealing with leaders is leaders that don't want to learn, mm-hmm. that feel like they've gotten to the end of their runway, and there's no more there's no more need to do anything. I, that's uh, that's frustrating to me, because I, I I feel being a disciple of Christ, it's it's incumbent upon me to continue to allow the Spirit to work in my life, to be conformed to the image of Christ, and that might be through iron sharpens iron, being with other leaders, it, it might be through reading, it might be through prayer, but. I should always be on the journey to become a better disciple. And one of my frustrations in dealing with leaders is leaders who've lost that that drive to be more like Christ in the sense of they don't want to learn anymore. They've learned it all. And um, that's one of my takeaways. That's good. That's good. I think the thing that I'm left thinking through and uh, thinking about is what does it mean to stewardship sight? When you do see and you finally can see, like, I want to, 
I see that this person has potential. I see that uh, my congregation um, needs X, Y, or Z. What does it mean to steward that well? Um, that might look different for each person, but when we finally do see, when we've asked the question, what am I not seeing? And God answers with sight. What does it mean to steward that well as a leader? That's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, Daryl, I just want to mention something you said. You, you've set a tremendous example, I mean, for me, you, you know, um, in terms of maintaining a pursuit, and so do you, Gary, the pursuit to stay, uh, continue to stay um, in the know of, every, of so many different aspects of this ministry and how this world operates so that we can be more effective for, for the kingdom. Amen. And um, in so many manners, and now that you're, you know, 47 years old, you're still doing it, you know, you're still out there working hard. Okay, so, but but the point is that... Um, tech, tech. Yes, just for the record, I am 47 years old. <laughs> and, uh, but even technologically, you know, um, and I, I work with a lot of people who are younger than you who don't even keep up with the technology that you keep up with, and, and it's, I think it's, it's a wonderful example. Um, and then the encouragement that I heard really amongst you gentlemen who, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, this team who um, understand and recognize and embrace that there's, and, and recognize the characteristics of those individuals who are coming with either unbridled passion or these ideas yeah. um, and fruits of the spirit that you can cultivate into this uh, transformation that could, that it could be great for your church. Yeah. Um, it, it's a blessing. I think people are going to take this podcast and, and do well with it. Yeah, um, my plea is to the fathers, um, their success in succession. Um, find find somebody that you can sow into. Find some places that you can sow. There are some. There's somebody in your church. There's somebody who's planting a church that you can sow into in this season. I, I just think that's so valuable. And the one thing that I, I I've learned, I used to think one seed, one tree. But that's not how it works. You sow a lot of seeds, and you don't know which seed became the tree. You don't know which seed actually yeah, yeah, turned out to yeah. be the one that gave fruit or gave life. So you just got to sow your seeds while it is time because the night soon coming mm. when no man can work. So that use this opportunity. Find somebody you can sow into. Borrow not a few. Pour your oil. Uh, we need you. We need what you what you bring to the table, we need you to pour it into somebody else so that it can last past you. Mm-hmm. Sowing seed is what I, my definition, Dante, is of legacy leadership. That's right. Uh, not to leave a legacy when you die, but rather to build a legacy one, I call it a bump at a time. If I talk to Chad, every time I talk to Chad, I want to bump him in his leadership. Mm-hmm. Everybody that I talk to, even children, and thereby be a legacy, a walking legacy leader daily, one bump at a time with everybody. Amen. Praise God. As we continue to grow in your ministry, wherever you may be, that is what God called us to do. Jesus called us to make disciples, to continue to share and to lead well after you and I are gone, that legacy leadership idea. I love that. Um, So it's not a country club. We're there to hang out with our people. We're there to cause disruption by making disciples to continue on after you and I are gone. Thank you for listening to podcast number five of Sapa Talks. We thank you for listening to Cultivating Disruption. We thank you for sharing it and liking it and commenting and getting the word out there. Take care. God bless you. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sapa Talks podcast. 
We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for King.